Would you turn again, please, to the reading, the first reading, Genesis 13. And we may read again at verse 10. Genesis 13, verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord took the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Sewer. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. There are many great lessons that we can learn from the experience of Lot. We all know, and from a young age, most of us who heard the text, remember the Lord's words, remember Lot's wife. And so we should. For there, the Lord Jesus left us a warning and for a particular purpose that he mentioned Lot's wife. But friends, let us also remember Lot himself as a warning to us. For those of us who profess to be believers, Christians, followers of the Lord, there is a great warning for us in this man, Lot, and especially what we read about here at this time. There is not a lot else that we know about him uh, outside of some of these things that we read here in Genesis. Now, we don't know anything about Lot's wife, not even her name, We don't know anything about her spiritual condition uh, before this well-known incident tells us a lot, of course, but anything of her background we do not know. But we do know that Lot was a man of God. We do know that he was a spiritual man, uh, a man who at times, at least Peter tells us, vexed his soul at the sin of Sodom that he was seeing around him. However, Lot was a sinner still. And without question, he gave in to some degree, at least to the influence of Sodom. And we know that he ended up compromising, and that cost him as well. You see, it has been said by someone that it is impossible to compromise with sin and to conquer it at the same time. And friends, I'm sure that some of us, if not all of us, know something of that, sadly, in our own experience. Because once we begin to compromise with sin, it will always conquer us and not us it. Well, we can consider tonight this good but weak Christian man. As I said, it should be a warning to us all, especially 
those of us here who profess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we can consider first of all where he had been. Where he had been. Well, he's first mentioned as being with Abraham. Uh, He was his nephew. And like Abraham, he was also called out of Egypt. We read the very beginning, and Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Now, obviously, while he was with Abraham, the Lord blessed them both. The Lord certainly blessed Abraham, but he also blessed Lot with him. He seemed to be with them, it would seem, for a number of years, and prospered in their time together in that way. That is why eventually we read about that they had to go their separate ways because of the amount of cattle and so on that they had. And though in that time of prospering, it was particularly in their time together. Now friends, I'm sure some of us can think ourselves, how often it can be that for ourselves that our early days as believers, especially spending time in the company of godly men, and woman, that these can be times of great blessings when we look back on it and see how the Lord led and how the Lord guided and the Lord blessed us at times such as these. Surely here there must have been something of this younger man Lot uh, learning from Abraham and the time that they would have spent together where they were, that they would have been fully content that he would have been fully content originally in that company. Maybe you would imagine them talking about God's dealings with them, how God was leading them, what God was saying to them. And you can imagine Abraham, that he would be giving guidance to this younger man, directing them eventually, the Lord directing them eventually out of Egypt into Canaan. Now, they will be surely speaking about good things. Now isn't that something again that you and I can identify with in our own experience when we look back on our lives? They will be speaking about their time in Egypt. They will be speaking about God calling them out of it. They would testify about God's goodness and how he led them and how he guided them surely. And again for ourselves. Can we not look back on that ourselves? He took me from the fearful pit and the mighty clay. These are things that the Lord's people love to speak about. Where they were, yes, but where they are now. And the new relationship that has been there. So you can imagine that there was a development here and a care for one another. That he would have been, Lot would have been blessed in the company of Abraham. But sadly, as we read, there came a parting of the ways. Of course, all in God's providence. But a parting of the ways came for maybe in many ways a sad reason. Now, in and of itself, that would not necessarily be a problem in and of itself. Where they, are, where they were and know what was happening. But we see then, secondly, where Lord's desire took him. Away from Abraham, departing from us his mentor, if you like. But now see where he goes. Lot lifted up his eyes because of all that they had 
and beheld all the plain of Jordan was well watered everywhere. And then the Lord chose them all the plain of Jordan and they set themselves the one from the other. What do we see here? What he saw influenced his decision. A time had come to make a decision about this. And he looked and he saw. And what he saw changed him. What he saw brought out something in him that maybe was not seen before. Our friends, the danger of eye gate in our own experience. How we can be drawn aside by these things. We can go back all the way to the Garden of Eden. Remember there with Eve what she saw. It changed everything. And so it was with Lot. And you see as well how gracious the old one Abraham was here. He gave him the choice. Look one way. If you take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. There's a gracious spirit of a gracious man willing to help and to give whatever. But what a different spirit we see, it would seem, with Lot here. Completely different to the way Abraham was. Lot was influenced by what he observed. Nothing here of the spirit of Abraham. Abraham willing to give whatever you want, whichever way you want to go, I'll accept it. You go this way, I'll go that way. You go that way, I'll go this way. Nothing here of humility. Nothing here of a good spirit with Lot. Nothing here of willing, if you like, to take the second place. Nothing here of saying to Abraham, no, no, you do it. You take what you want. After all, what we have is because of what God has done for you. God has blessed me through you. Nothing of that at all. You see, what he saw was so attractive. And it would seem that he, he was quite happy to separate himself at this time from Abraham. And so we read there in 10, when he saw, he lifted up his eyes and he saw what he saw. Friends, Christian friend here tonight, how need, you and I need to be aware of eye gate just as much as any unbeliever. As the believers, as the Lord's people, we can be attracted by some of these things of the world just as much as any unbeliever. How easy it is for us at times to be drawn aside so easily. How easy it is for us to, to, to feel that, that draw into something that we can do without. You get the picture here. Of Lot, he lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. You get the picture, don't you? This wasn't just a quick glance. This wasn't just, but it's as if he thought about it. It's as if he considered the situation. It was with a, an unholy, if you like, worldly at least, longing. That's the place for me to go. You can just imagine what was going through his mind. Here he had with all the blessing of God. But here now he also wanted more and more and more. Friends, who here 
doesn't recognize something of that in our own experience, on our own Christian journey from time to time. Oh, how easy it is for us to want something more. How easy it is for us to to, to have our thoughts and our desires longing for things more than we should. A sinful longing can come in with us. A sinful longing can be our experience. A sinful longing can often lead us in the wrong direction. If this man, Lord, if he had said to Abraham, of course not taken away from God's providential dealings here, but surely we should have said, given the place to the older Christian, to the older man of God. But here you see, when he saw what he saw, everything else, as it were, was forgotten except himself and what he wanted for himself. Maybe you know something of that. I'm sure you do. Who here, if we're honest, doesn't know something about that in our own experience? A sinful longing for something of the world. Maybe a desire to to better yourself materially. No, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But what is the motive behind it? What is the reason you have for wanting to get on in this life? What is the purpose of it all at the end of the day? Is it for yourself or is it for God's glory? Oh, but I can then use what I have. I can use it so much more to give to the Lord's cause and to do more in that way. Does it always work like that? Do you know that in your own experience? Lord pitched his tent toward Sodom. Toward Sodom. He chose and saved himself from the others. This is what he does here. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. Or the idea is of, of, of uh, um, near Sodom. Not just the idea is to, to draw near to the plains because that's where all the good land seemed to be. Here was a man of God. We don't doubt that at all. We know that from later on, made clear to us. He was a man of God, man who knew God, and yet he desired the things of this world still. That's a struggle at times. Again, don't you know something of that yourself? That struggle that goes on, trying to keep us on an even keel spiritually. Things that attract us, things that we see, things that draw us away from the Lord and thinking about the Lord. What do we read in Scripture? That we cannot serve God and mammon. It cannot be for us. And you see, once you are drawn into these things, if it is in any way true of yourself, as it is of me, that is really, if you like, the first step of worse things. First step of backsliding, if you like, from the eye, what I see, from the heart, from the desire, from the will. Everything changes. And surely that happened in the experience of this man. You know, if you had said to Lot, well, yes, it's good, but don't you see the danger you are in? 
There's that Sodom, that well-known city with all its godlessness and abominations that's going on there. Why are you putting yourself so near Sodom? Why do you want that? You know what the place is like. Probably with all, yes, I know, but I'm not in the city. I'm just going near. I will not be involved in these things. I won't go into such a sinful situation. I'll get on my life and I'll keep my distance separate from Sodom. But really, it's, it's what I need at this time. I can materially get on, prosper materially. But all he was doing was putting himself in harm's way. And all he was doing was giving in to the flesh what he had seen, now what he decided. Do you know something of that yourself? Are you here tonight and you know something of that experience, maybe looking back on it, and you think, why did I do it? Why did I let myself go that way? Why did I allow myself to be taken over in that way? And so we see what his desire took him. It took him far too near to Sodom. It took him into dangerous territory for himself. Well, he started off, of course, outside. But where did he end up? Well, we read in chapter 19, he was at the gate. He was at the gate. Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, who were generally those who sat at the gate of a city? Well, there were those usually who would considered to have some influence in the city. Now, we're not sure of that. Lord. Some, actually, some commentators believe that he was there to invite people home and protect them. But be that as it may, what it does tell us is important, is that he was no longer outside the city. In some way or other, we're not told how, but he started off with good intentions maybe. But ah, that's what sin does, isn't it? Draws you nearer and nearer and nearer into its grasp. You see, what happened? He had moved. He had moved. He had now, it seems, a home inside Sodom. Yes, he's seen as an outsider. They speak about him derogatory. You're just a sojourner here. But he was still in a place where he had never been before. In a place indeed where he should never have been and should never be. Have you found yourself sometimes in that situation? A place that you know now, especially looking back, why did I do it? Why did I let myself get drawn into it? You see, what happened here with this man? That he was now, if you like, in trouble. He was obviously accepted in some measure, at least, by the people, that fact that he was at the gate. And he was accepted by them up to a point. He was accepted by them till when? Till he spoke up. Until he disagreed with them. And then he was in trouble. Do you see how far now he had gone? The company of godly Abraham. 
to these perverts at the gate of Sodom. Oh, my friends, never think that could never be me. We all need to watch and to pray and to be careful about such things. Here he is now, he was attracted to it, what he saw, first of all, the plain, and then we find that he's inside, he's got a house inside, he is now at the gate mixing with the people. He's like like a moth attracted to a flame. That's how he was with Sodom. Now, no doubt, he didn't really think it would happen. But as often happens, once you take one step, another inevitably follows. Once you take that first step nearer Sodom, it is usually impossible not to take the second one from near to be in it. And that's how sin can be. You know it. You know it shouldn't be there and you don't want to be in it and for a time at least. But ah, it attracts. And before you know it, you're in it. You're involved in it. You're up to your neck, as it were, in it. You see how unlike this is to the man that we sang about in Psalm, in the first Psalm, that well-known Psalm to us. How unlike him. He walked not that way. He certainly did. He wasn't in the council of ungodly men. He certainly was. You see, everything there, so different from Lot, so different from what he was, now how he was, now. But then you say, well, surely there are situations where we have to be in the world. Surely there must be times when we, we, we need to be, of course. But what does Scripture tell us? Yes, we're in the world, but we're not of it, and shouldn't be of it. And very often that is what we find the problem is, friends, is it not? That we are of it. You see, we cannot, of course, turn our backs on totally on society. We cannot lock ourselves away, as some do, in monasteries and so on. We cannot do it. We have to live in this world. But we can live God-honoring lives in this world without being offered. And that is what's required of us, to show forth. But it doesn't seem at this point here in Lot's experience and life that he was showing anything of that, of being a witness. You see, we can live God-honoring lives in this world without compromising, in spite of the world that we live in. That is what we are called to do if we are Christians. I believe we can say Lot went into Sodom not primarily to witness for the Lord, but he went to benefit himself. That's where it began when he looked and he saw what he saw with his flock. There are situations that we have to live with. But friends, there should be never be a situation that we should put our material worldly desires first. That will cause us to compromise our witness for Christ. When it comes to that, there's a line that we must not cross. And Lot, he took a step and he crossed the line and he lived in Sodom. Lived in the city. 
what happens far too often when we cross the line, when we deliberately draw near to obvious sinful situation. Well, we end up not being any seen, not to be any different from the world, and we are seen as endorsing the ways of the world by that compromising lifestyle then. By being found for whatever reason, what do we do then? Nobody sees the difference between us and the world. And if there's a need in the day that we live in, friends, it's to be seen to be different from the world. Seen to be separate from the godless world that we live in. Something different about us. Isn't that something and those of us a bit older can remember, I'm sure all of us can one way or the other, my generation, how poor are witnesses when I look back on those who had gone before. They weren't perfect, of course not. But they seemed to be, one thing about them, they seemed to be separate from the world in a way maybe that I and yourself maybe as well are not. But this is what is required. You see, Lot then would not be seen any different from those around him. Friends, beware of being drawn into this situation. It's a fearful thing that your life and mine could be construed as representing worldliness or the devil's kingdom more than that of our saviour we profess to love. That can happen when we give place to sinful desires and very often it's through eye gate it begins and drawn into things. And the reality is, despite what we think about ourselves and despite how strong we think we'll stand in this situation, you will never win Sodom when you're in a compromising state yourself. However much you think, you will. How often we hear that. Well, I'm going to change where I am. I want to stay there and some of the churches want to stay there so that I can have some influence. But what happens more often than not it's the other way around. You see, to win Sodom in a compromising state will not happen. What we need to be aware of is Sodom winning us by being too close to them. Lot ended up incurring much spiritual damage. Not only to himself, friends, but think about his family, his daughters, later on. And maybe even his wife. Our friends, being worldly, being backslidden, will always bring a measure of judgment upon you. Which is bad enough, but it can also bring judgment upon maybe your dearly beloved ones who end up in sinful situations because of your compromise, your bad example of leading them into the Sodoms, Sodom-like situations as we have here. And so we see that where he begins and where he now ends up. But also we see him taken out of Sodom. It's incredible, friends, the long-suffering and the mercy of God. 
thankfully, we can know that as well. Indeed, I don't say we can know it, we do know it. If we are the Lord's people, oh, how long-suffering he's taught you and I. In our backslidings, in our failings, in our sinful desires. If we were to mark iniquity, not just Lord, but who, which of us could stand. And yet, the long-suffering of God here in taking him out of the situation. Isn't that astonishing what happened again with him? Here he has been taken out. Escape for thy life. And oh, not so, my Lord. Look, here is how do I have to go that far? When you should be saying, Lord, run for your life. Flee as soon as you can. Surely that's what he's going to do. Ah, but what about this? What we see here is that even being led in that way, his carnality, his low spiritual state at this time, it's still manifesting himself. A reluctance to obey the Lord. That's a mark, friend, of backsliding and, and low spiritual state. A reluctance to obey the Lord. Despite all the warnings, despite all the gracious words and actions of the messengers of the Lord, what happened? He is still not willing to, as it were, to be fully obedient. And you say, oh, what a fool he is. What a fool Lord is. Indeed he is. But, think about yourself. Have you always been obedient, even when you're knowing the Lord is speaking to you. Even when you know the Lord is leading you by the hand. Always have you always been that, always that way without questioning, doing what you know you are asked to do. And he says here, oh, but, but surely the mountain is too far for me. Escape to let us be consumed, but it's too far for me. You have been merciful to me. Thou hast magnified thy mercy, thou hast shown him in save my life, and I cannot escape to the mount lest some evil take me and I die. Here shall sit thee just a little one, let me escape thither. You see, after all that happened, where was his faith? Afraid that he would not make it to the mountains. His own lack of faith, depending upon himself. As I've said, oh Lord, you're asking too much of me. Maybe you've been in that situation. And it's because of your lack of faith. But God was leading him. What more did he need? You see, what he's really saying here, it would seem, is that is it really necessary for us to go so far? Do I really have to go that far? And that can be with our own experience at times. Well, do I really need to stand out? Do I really need to show I'm on the Lord's side? Do I really need to, to, to obey him to that extent? Can I not just compromise a little? This is what he's saying. Yes, Lord, you have redeemed me from Sodom. He is saying that in verse 19 there. Thy servant have found grace in thy sight. Thou hast magnified thy mercy. Thou hast showed, showed unto me in saving my life. 
He's accepting all that. He is saying, yes, this has been done for me. I know that. But look, he says, look, this city is near. Here's a city near. It's a little one. Let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. What do we see here? We can be thinking like that at times regarding the need to separate ourselves what we consider small sins. Well, it's not the worst thing I can do. We can't be sinners in our lives in this world. God accepts that. Of course he does. But what was behind, what was the essence really of, of, of his request? Despite knowing and acknowledging God saving he still wanted his own way. Oh, the flesh, friends. That hardness of heart that can still be ours. Doing it in my way. You see, for Lot here, it was a case of not thy will, but mine be done. Again, I ask you, friend, who here, being honest with yourself, hasn't known something of that at times in your own experience. Do it my way. Too much. Flesh seeking the upper hand. And look at the condescension of the Lord. Amazingly, the Lord did not insist. He made, as it were, concessions, allowances, as he does for you and I very often. It's amazing that later on, if you know yourselves the story, he ended up leaving sore and go up to the mountains. And that's where the sin began with his daughters. But you see, don't take for granted that you can be, as it were, partial obedient, having partial obedience. Imagine how you live and obey it doesn't really matter. God will forgive me anyway. God has saved my soul anyway. I'm a believer. I'm saved already. Are you sure? Are you sure? What does the Bible tell us? To obey is better than sacrifice. Here is this man then taken out of Sodom. But there's still that spirit of rebellion with him. And after all he came with, he lost it all. Because he allowed himself to be drawn into a situation that he should never have been involved in. Well, friends, time is gone. What do we conclude and learn from this episode in the life of this flawed man of God? Well, surely this at least. As believers tonight, if you're a believer here this evening, if you're a Christian here tonight, the danger of imagining that having come to know the Lord, that now it doesn't matter if our obedience is partial. It doesn't matter where I go, how I live, what I do and don't do. The danger, of course, as you know very, very well, of antinomianism anti-law. The dangerous belief that we can have and sin so-called little sins 
with impunity because the grace of God superabounds over sin. Dear friends, remember your so-called little sins. Christ also had to die for them. Oh yes, I know that these things and our unfaithfulness, if we are the Lord's, may not ruin your soul. But any disobedience without question will ruin your peace with God and will always have consequences. Look at this man later on. You know what happens, we just mentioned earlier, later on in Lot's life. There is the danger of little sins, what we call little sins. Scripture speaks elsewhere of the danger of the little foxes that spoil the vines. Beware of them, friends. Well, I don't need to go to the mountain. Don't need to go that far. Will this place not do? Will that be enough for me? Little sins, little sins, little sins. Somebody has said, has put it this way, great, there's great power in the multiplication of little sins. And very often, you will find that most of the time, the Christian is not usually engaged in great obvious sins that are seen by all and are obvious in his life. You know that, as I do. It's the little sins. The partial obedience the giving a little here and a little there of the way into the way of the world. Well, here then in the life of this man is an illustration of the danger of being a worldly Christian. You know, friends, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking, well, if we didn't have the reference in Second Peter that he vexed his soul, the righteous Lord. What would we think of Lord if all we had is what we have here in Genesis? What would we think about him? There's a lesson here for us, for the believer certainly, but anyone here tonight who is not a believer. We also read in Peter, in First Peter, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Which one are you tonight? What is your life like as a Christian? Are you, as it were, a reluctant, disobedient, follower of the Lord or have you given yourself wholly over to him and say to do thy will I take delight oh that all of us would be like that friends what I bring before you tonight here I apply to myself these things we all need to face and you dear friend if you're here tonight still without God without hope don't take comfort from Lord. Well, 
There's sin in his life, but he was a Christian. Don't take comfort from that. You have to make your own calling and election sure, personally. Not looking to Lot, not even to Abraham, but to the Lord. And there you will find the perfect example, and it's more, of course, than an example, of how to live and the one to follow who will never let you down and who by his grace also you can depend on to keep you from falling into this back into as it were into this sinful world that we live in which is becoming more and more every day like horrible sinful Sodom may the Lord bless his world let us pray We are so thankful, O Lord God, for thy word, that it does not hide uh, from us the sinfulness of even thine own people, those for whom Christ died. But may we learn from these things and resolve to be more Christ-like and less and less like the world or drawn into the world. Ever-blessed one, be with us now, in our closing praise and may we learn from all that we have read and studied together that our lives would be better for it and that we would see the need to stand fast and not to allow the world to creep upon us or us to creep into it for Christ's sake Amen We'll conclude singing in Psalm 84 Psalm 84 at verse 7. <coughs> so they from strength unwearied go still forward unto strength, until in Zion they appear before the Lord at length. Lord God of hosts, my prayer here, O Jacob's God, give ear, see God our shield, look on the face of thine anointed dear. 84. So they from strength unwearied
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest on and abide with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.